Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to the Creator Economy. We're going to start off, as usual, with a tip. This tip today comes from Daryl Eves. Daryl Eves just released a book recently called The YouTube Formula, How Anyone Can Unlock the Algorithm to Drive Views, Build an Audience, and Grow Revenue. If you are looking to build something on YouTube, you should totally buy it. It's really good. So here's the tip. Focused on know where your viewers are coming from. YouTube looks very closely at the audience. So what does that tell you? That you should, too. Do you think about where your viewers are coming from before you make a new video? Every one of you, even those with millions of subscribers, needs to understand your audience better. You need to know how they're watching your content. My rule of thumb is to optimize for mobile first because it's usually where people are watching YouTube. Although, you know, this is an aside from Jim, that is changing. More and more people are watching YouTube on their big screen TV, just so you know. But anyway, optimize for mobile first. Mobile traffic accounts for 70% of daily watch time. Most creators don't take this into consideration when creating new videos. Go to your traffic sources and see where people are coming from to watch your stuff. If they're coming from mobile and you're on your computer, switch to your mobile device and go back to experience your video the way your viewer experiences it. When you look at YouTube from your viewer's perspective, you'll be super sensitive to how they behave and what works for them. You'll likely notice things you can change to optimize their viewing experience when you watch how they watch. This is Inside the Creator Economy. My name is Jim Lauterbach, and we are glad to have you here. Good morning, Jim. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Cassie? It's great. I'm great because I can hear you, and I think you can hear me too. I can. I hear you just fine. Absolutely. Is, is this a first for us? Have we got our tech right, or am I too soon on this? <laughs> I think we got it right last time, but it feels better this time because we have another one to build on. This is so good. This is so good. I like that Daryl Eve's tip, and I think... Looking at it the way that your viewer does is something that even in web development, people don't do. I've been so many times in these calls where people have, or these reviews where people have built websites and they look beautiful and a huge, you know, 1280 by 1024 or even bigger monitor. But when you go look at them on mobile, they look like junk. Yeah, I think, you know, from the very beginning of digital, from the very beginning of social media, this has absolutely been my mantra. Every place I've worked, every piece of content we've ever made, it's how is the person on the other end of this or this feature or this program, how are they going to consume this and how's it going to make them feel? Because if you're designing for a big, beautiful screen and they're looking on their phone, you're not going to get the same experience as they do. So experience things the way you want your customers or consumers to, and you're already going to be ahead of the game. Well, and in the end, uh, your customers and consumers will tell you the way they want to experience it. So look at your analytics, see how they're doing it. As Daryl says, 70% viewing on mobile. I also, that little trick, if you don't know it, and you probably do, but it's just a nice thing to keep in mind. If you're using Chrome or a Chromium background, you go to more tools and then to developer tools, you can actually change the type of device that it shows you. So it'll show you some code, but you can also choose a phone or an iPad or something. So Really good idea, particularly on websites. But we're not here to give web tips. We're here to talk about the creator <laughs> economy. So I want to jump into our first story. And this is actually a really good just reference point for you as a creator. What Influence.co Creator Space did is they created a spreadsheet where they laid out all the monetization features available on all of the top different platforms. And there are a couple of surprises in here. First of all, if you look at this spreadsheet, if you go to influence.co, it's called the Creatorscape Platform Monetization Features. It's a Google spreadsheet. 
But when you look at Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snap, Twitch, Amazon, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Pinterest, Spotify, all in there, the amazing thing to me, first of all, is that Facebook has more tools than anybody else. Really amazing because I think Mark Zuckerberg just got the creator religion. For a long time, he wasn't really that into Facebook. I was doing something with an ex-Facebook employee last week. And she said that this was really surprising to her because Zuckerberg, a few years ago when she was working there, really didn't care about creators. And now they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different things to help creators make money. And it's really straightforward on the platform. I know, Cassie, what do you think? Is this a turnaround for Mr. Zuck or, or is this something that he's had all along? Just he's been hiding it. I don't know if it's a turnaround, but it feels like an absolute wake up call, Jim, because when you look at where things have been, where they're heading with the maturation of creators, with the maturation of brands and kind of that intersection of where brands and creators play and the opportunity to monetize and just to keep people on his site. You know, Facebook in the last few years hasn't had the best PR out there. So by alienating a group of people who are going to actively bring people to your platform, if you give them a little bit of love and help them monetize what they're doing to keep people there, it just feels like if he had missed this, Facebook would be on a completely different you know, track. Well, and there's a lot more to come too. There is a skunk works at Facebook that's making some really interesting new products. One of them is called Super Events. And we've been playing around with it and looking at it. And it's really cool because it also allows creators to really get paid for what they do and for the connections they have for their fans. Now, it's not part of Facebook. It's a test thing, but really interested in seeing how that develops. The other thing I thought was really interesting was, and the folks over at Influencer.co mentioned this, is that Pinterest had none, but now mm -hmm. they do because they created this grant program where they're giving away 50 million, 500 million, 5 million, I can't remember how much, the creator fund code. But the other thing is LinkedIn, big, fat, zero, no tools for creator monetization. Which is nuts, right? Because we've known each other for quite a long time and I've tested out all of the different channels. And me personally, my channel of choice, especially professionally, is LinkedIn. My engagement and the people, the conversations, the content that goes through there is amazing. But I don't know, Jim, it just feels like they are really, really missing a trick here because... It is the place where people go to talk business, to do business, to think about business, and we can't exchange there. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like they're saying, well, you're here, and if you build an audience, you can go monetize it somewhere else, which mm -hmm. is a little bit of a fail on their side, too, because if you do help creators monetize, they'll want to use the platform more for sure, but also That's right. you, could, you could take a little cut of it. That's right. That's right. And you know, I think even beyond the monetization aspects, there are still some basics, you know, even trying to live stream for LinkedIn. And I know it's because I'm overseas in New Zealand. I had to find the email of somebody who was quite high up in LinkedIn and almost beg, steal and borrow to be able to do a live stream, but then to have to use a third party app in the background to run the live stream and to pay for it. You just think LinkedIn's got to do a little bit of a rush to catch up. Yeah. And also they do live streaming and they allow you to live stream via RTMP. But mm. they only support certain platforms. And we're doing it. Like we have something we're doing at the end of the, the uh, week at VidCon focused on uh, what's next now that we're coming out of the pandemic and what's the world going to look like. And we'll live stream it to my personal LinkedIn. I've got a good LinkedIn following. But I have to use a separate product called mm. Restream. because And Restream is not great for actually creating the place where you'd want to have this video conversation. So we go from Stage 10 where we do that to Restream to LinkedIn. 
And it's like, can I just use the tools I have? So I know they're serious about creators and I know they want to do more and they've got a really good guy running product over there, Tomer. And so they believe in it, but it's very interesting just seeing them come up with a big fat goose egg on this list. Do you think it's just other priorities and it's a slow moving beast from this perspective? Or what do you think is taking priority right now over there at LinkedIn? I think LinkedIn focuses on creators and on sort of their core business, which is trying to get people to sign up for subscriptions and Mm -hmm. jobs and, you know, searching for jobs and recruiting and things like that. And so I'm not sure they're sort of bifurcated. They're a job site, but they're also your work craft site. And they're also a creator site. I guess that would be trifurcated, but (laughs) I'm not even sure that's a word, but I I like it. I'm writing it down. (laughs) There you go. We made up another word here. Trifurcated. It's really interesting seeing it develop. Cassie, you want to move on to the next story? Sure, sure. This one is kind of in a similar vein. So it's about monetization, obviously, again, and and how creators can be creators and make a life out of it, I guess. I haven't really heard much about Pico before, Jim. So if you have, feel free to jump on in. But this is a story out of TechCrunch that I saw for a business called Pico, who are trying to bring together into kind of this single kind of creator place, one data source to fuel it all. So it's a startup um, that's looking to be more of a monetization tool with a creator-focused CRM. So it sits atop an existing CMS or another digital output on another platform. But what it's really trying to do, and this is the part that I love, Jim, is it's trying to build out, and we talked about this the last two weeks, a middle class in the creator economy. So you're not at the super top high end of things, and you're not at the super low, just you know trying to scrimp. It's like this kind of hustle in the middle where people are starting to go, okay, most of the platforms are built around content distribution. This is more around data and future focusing. If you're going to start selling, if you're going to start productizing your brand, we can build that out to you from the beginning. So it feels like another maturation with the middle class of that creator economy in mind. And I kind of like that. Yeah. And you know what? I like it actually, and we didn't plan this, but it flows really well from the first story we talked about because it's almost like they're building a meta layer or abstraction layer on top of all the monetization opportunities that all the platforms offer you. So that's right. As they said, it's like an operating system for the creator economy. And imagine that, you know, you probably start on one platform, right? You're going to do it on YouTube or TikTok, but eventually you'll realize that you can combine your TikToks and put them on YouTube. Or you can take your YouTube stuff and you can convert it and put it on Snap or Instagram, or you can go to Jelly Smack and they'll take your your YouTube stuff and they'll convert it to Facebook for you. But you'll be in multiple different platforms. You'll have multiple different ways that you want to make money. And they want to pull that all together for you in one place so you can look at it, account for it. And I think it makes a lot of sense. But here's the problem with the vision that I have, though, is a number of the platforms don't have... APIs that you can directly address. Mm. TikTok, for example, how are you going to get that TikTok data? Even Instagram has put a little bit of a hold on a lot of aspects of their API. So I love the vision, but it's the the proof is in the pudding. And I actually didn't know these guys either. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those things where it just kind of popped up and I went, wow, I'm with you. I love the vision. I'm, I'm curious to see how it's all going to work if it's all going to work. Because, you know, the way that they've positioned it too is it's what we talked about, I think, our first conversation, who owns you, right? So they're, they're positioning it as own your audience, own your business, and then have kind of full ownership of your customer data across all of those major social channels while you're monetizing so that you can go all the way back to what Daryl Leaves' tip was today and go, we're looking at the analytics, it's channel specific, and we're engaging in the way that our consumers want us to engage. But 
like you said, the proof is in that pudding. Well, it also, and I did not bring this story into our discussion today when we decided what we're going to talk about, but I am going to bring it in now just because we started talking about uh, the middle class of the creator economy. Lee Jin is one of the top thinkers in the passion economy, creator economy, a venture capitalist. She just wrote a piece about the universal creator income. And her take was that the platform should be setting aside a certain percentage of the revenue that they get so that everybody who crests over a certain level of followers or views or likes or whatever that statistic is, and then is lower than an upper bound, they should just get a standard called $1,000 a month. And that this would allow that middle class of creators to evolve and develop. And once you grow big enough, you don't get it anymore. Or if there's a time frame in there, it sounded a little uh, socialist to me. But when I started thinking <laughs> about it a little bit more, I actually really like it. Did you get a chance to see what Lee had talked about in that article? I had to read about it, but you know, I haven't had a deep think. I'm really curious about where all of this is going to head, Jim. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully it'll all head into creators' pockets. We, a um, couple stories, what we do here on the uh, Inside the Creator Economy, which by the way, in case you were wondering if it had a nice TLA, it does, which is called ICE. What we do here in the ICE podcast is we talk about a couple of news stories quickly, and then we do a deep dive on a big idea topic and then do a quick roundtable on some stories that caught our eye. What I'd like to do now is see if any of our listeners want to step up to talk about either of those two stories, the Pico story or all the different options for creators, including the Facebook what they did, and the fact that there's nothing on LinkedIn. Anybody want to jump up and chat with us on that? You'll get another opportunity to do so after we talk through our big idea. Come on. Anybody want to raise their hand? Nobody's raising their hand yet. I may have to call on somebody as we get a little bit further along. But let's jump into our big idea. And for this big idea, I'm going to come up with a fun sound. And then, Cassie, you can take it away. All right, take it away. Oh, I quite like that, Jim. You like the scary one? We can use that in the future. (laughs) I mean, I've been called the Ice Queen before, so I really do like that. (laughs) (laughs) The Ice Podcast with the Ice Queen, Cassie Roma. Take it away. (laughs) All right, here's our big idea. Since the dawn of screen time, influencers and creators have created sponsored content to push brands' products to their social media followers. A growing number that we are all aware of have partnered with retailers from Amazon to Nordstrom and co-designed product drops. So think people like Ariel Sharnas, the Kardashian Jenners, all of these folks, right? And they've secured resources that open up their world to these standalone brands, right? Where products sell out, where the money's big, and then where communities grow and grow and grow. So this big idea is off the back of Pietra, which is a technology platform that has just recently emerged from its beta period that wants to make brand creation and the brand creation route accessible for any creator who posts on social. And it can be through apparel or beauty or fragrance. It could be food. It could be whatever. The great thing about this is there's no follower minimum required. But, and here's the big but for me, because I like this idea again, but is this just lipstick on a pig? You know what I mean? Is this just dressing something up that already exists? Is this just trying to hack the long-term necessity of building communities in the right way? Or is it something brilliant when it comes to opening up a personal brand and being more strategic around the productization of creators and how they monetize their lives? So what do you think, Jim? I think that, you know, we've had the ability to create stores to sell other people's stuff, Shopify, Teespring, et cetera, or to make your own t-shirts. We've had Amazon affiliate programs. But the idea that you can go out and create a brand around you that's not a t-shirt, 
It's not an affiliate program. I think it's really interesting. I think they're onto something. I think that we'll see a lot of creators creating interesting things. And I also think that this ties into our last story. We couldn't have planned it better that this is kind of the middle class of creators, because as you put it, in the past, if you want to create a perfume line or you want to create a f- various different lines, you had to work really hard to go find it and source it, or you had to be really big. And those brands would come to you. This allows you to sort of do it on your own. And so I think that there's a real plus here for creators, and I really like what they're doing. I'm going to stop there and see what you think, but then I'm going to talk about what I think is a potential downside here. You know, I have, I have two quick thoughts, and one of the ones is based off of some of the information that came out of their beta trial. And the, that information was that during that test, 15,000 creators were kind of in the pipeline already, and 300 product lines were created during its beta. And from what they'd said through that beta test is those 300 product lines were doing pretty darn good. I mean, considering that it was a short test. So there's the first thing. I think that, you know, the proof is in that pudding we talk about, Jim, and, and that feels like a good little proof point to start out. I think the second thing is, is I'm reminded of a product, a brand that was launched in New Zealand. I think it was right before COVID. It might've been while I was still working at the warehouse group. And it was a big kind of almost Amazon-esque look into where retail online could go in New Zealand. And it was based around creators. It was based around utilizing influencers and their storytelling. And I'd say, you know, 20% of that was around the creator's actual products. And the other was the old school influencers trying to sell products that already existed. And I'm not sure if it's because of COVID or I'm not sure it's because New Zealand's just such a small place. It didn't really take off the way it had intended to take off. So I'm curious to see in places that are a lot bigger than this small little beautiful country I live in, if this would take off. Well, and the range of different products available would have to be pretty broad because depending on the type of creator you are, There are a lot of different things you could potentially sell. So if you're a DIY creator in the home improvement area, you probably want to be able to have power tools or or a branded hammer at the very least. If the beauty creator is a layup, but there are so many different sorts of things that people do that will you be able to come up with enough of a range of products so that creators can sell things that relate to what they do and who they are and what they talk about instead of just, well, here's your, you know, 10 things you can do. And if none of them are really relevant, you aren't really going to want to do it, right? That's right. And I mean, it feels at its most basic, kind of the Etsy-fying of brand, a personal brand in and of itself. But I mean, some of the the examples were pretty cool, right? So it said if Pietra plays um, Oprah to an audience of creators, an audience of thousands of creators, and instead gifts Audis, she shells out pre-vetted designs, supplies, and logistics for consumer goods, that this is kind of what that feels like. I think that's pretty neat that they can hearken it back to these big brands, to big things. And then it comes down to what we always talk about from the creator side of the economy is who are you? What do you stand for? And what will people be willing to pay for in a value-based economy? Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's I'm looking at a bunch of the creators on their site now and what they're selling. A lot of it seems like beauty. You know, there's some candles up there. There's some gift cards, but I haven't seen anything that's like, I'm shelling power tools. Of course, I'm only looking at the first couple of the 300 plus that are out there. So I'm not doing a really good, like complete look at it. But I'll tell you the downside from my perspective. And we've seen this with some of the products the creators have been building. If you don't manage the quality control, you can end up with something that's awful. And Mm -hmm. the whole thing about 
the creator economy is that connection between the community and the creator is where the value is. And it's really hard to build trust and it's really easy to lose it. If I love you as a creator and I buy your creator hammer, because I'm just going to swing that hammer and it breaks the first time I use it, I'm out, you know, whatever I spent on that hammer. But also I you just lost me as a fan. Are you at least I'm not as much of a fan of you as anymore because you're putting your name behind crap. So mm-hmm. I think that's a real issue. Wait, before you respond, I want to open it up again. We'd love to have people come up and talk about this. And, and if you're a creator, would you create something on this platform? Have you created a brand? If not, would you create something along these lines? I'm going to call out. I know Chris is out there. Chris is a bud. You know, Chris, as you've been a creator in your world, would you ever have created like, I don't know, something that you would sell people and would you use something like this? Or it's like, yeah, it's just too much trouble. I don't know if I'll see if I can get Chris to come up. Uh, in the meantime, what do you think of that, Cassie? What do you think? Is that Chris? Is she hopping up? Yeah, she's hopping up. Microphone? No, what do you think of the fact that you could be selling crap? <laughs> you know, you, well, you don't have quality I think, control. I, mean, I talk a lot of crap. I talk a lot of crap, Jim. But there's if there's no quality control, control <laughs> and you're going to put something up there, it could be crap. No, Hi. I am a huge, a huge believer in having to be able, not putting crap into the world. Less crap into the world is a better world. Hey, Chris, what Chris. do you think? I put you on the spot. Welcome. Chris, uh, <laughs> Cassie, Cassie, Chris. Glad to have you here. Hey. It's so nice to be here. Hi, Cassie. This is a great conversation. Here's fun fact. <laughs> Were you ever like part of something and then for like a good 60 seconds, you stepped away and you came back and they said, okay, what do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Because, because that's exactly what just happened. <laughs> All right, so, so come Chris, back have, to me. <laughs> I have a question for you. Chris and I work together at Tech TV. She's hosted a ton of shows. She was actually an early MTV VJ too, which I love. So think about when you've been a creator and as a podcast that she's doing here on. Thank you for the one person. Thank you to the one person that clapped. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's not the only person who's going to (laughs) clap. But anyway, have you ever thought or have you ever created or wanted to sell a product to your fans? Um, Have I ever wanted to create a product? Media has always been my product, right? So articles, a book. I wanted to sell a book. Let's see. Well, but think uh, about it. You, so you cover the music space, like you're doing a podcast focusing on talking to musicians and right, into their right. story. Think about for your fans, an adjunct product there that might be of interest to them. So for example, I don't know, how about branded headphones? I can, I'm, that was Sure, sure. Well, Dr. Dre has kind of got that cornered. But yes, if I were like a Dr. Dre, if I could come up with a product, sure. Let's come up with a, uh, I can't think of anything right now, but the new cassette. How's that? The new cassette tape. I know. I was thinking like you come up with a cassette tape or sure. even a t-shirt with a cassette tape on it. Those are popular. It, it might come back. It really might come back because, you know, vinyl's back in a big way. So I don't cassette know. Tapes I aren't coming back, Chris. Come on. <laughs> I don't know, dude, you're putting me on the spot. No, I'm sure there's, I'm going to get off and I'm going to think, oh my God, of course there was this, that, and the other thing I should have said. It's going to be one of those. But yeah, hypothetically, sure. Let's say, uh, how about this novel that I could never sell to anyone? Let's go with that. Yes. I had a novel I wrote that just is collecting dust. So yes. Yeah, let's put that together. And before you leave, talk about what you're putting together and, and working on for Fireside. Oh, I'd love to. For the last year, I've been creating a podcast, call it Text, Prose, and Rock and Roll. It is essentially like very much like a behind the music. It is, we call it the book club that rocks. 
But essentially, we read the memoirs of or band bios from musicians and understand their story. These are people who are alive, people are long gone, like Robert Johnson, and uncover what their real story was. There's often some tragedy in there, but the obstacles that they had to face throughout their tenure and you know, whether that be, you know, sexism, racism, uh, just to, like working against beautiful things. Uh, been this- it's super cool. Are you going to be doing it on a regular schedule? Is there a time when people can come listen? I am. Thank you. I'm trying to work that out. I'm still kind of like trying to uh, look around at Fireside and see when the best time would be for me. Since I'm a mom, it's probably going to have to be during the day. But what I love about the platform here is that it'll be on demand for folks later. And I'm talking to a couple of named artists about coming on here. And I'll be, what we're going to do is we're going to do our, instead of a Zoom call, we're going to be doing our interviews live here on Fireside. And then it, we'll do a Q&A with any audience members that hop in. And at the end of that, we're going to download the whole thing. We'll post-produce it and make it shiny, shine it up, and then put it out on the regular platforms, Apple, Spotify, Amazon. Yeah, wherever podcasts are listened to. That's awesome. I did see that you did something <laughs> so, about, I didn't even know. Wait, was Prince Day a thing, by the way? Well, I see you did a goat thing with Prince. I didn't realize I Prince did. was the greatest of all time, but now I know. That wasn't, I didn't generate that. That came from Mr. Darren's story, I believe, uh, who was a big fan. And uh, I have to concur, though, that definitely Prince was definitely the go. Wow, what a genius guy. So I think, you know, even if we don't read some of these books and have an artist on to talk about their book or a, a music journalist, I think we'll probably just maybe get on and talk music. So you better start thinking, Mr. Louder back uh, because you're going to come on and have to tell me who you like and defend it. Ooh, <laughs> oh, I can do that. I will be there for that and one. So it's either going to be Fish or the Grateful Dead. So you just have to pick which oh one. Oh my I can God. Them 100%. Are you, are you a fish head? Absolutely. He is. Oh my God. I didn't know that. Are you one of these? Uh, who's the other one? There's So there's Fish, there's Grateful Dead. Who's the other one? It's not Wilco. It's um, Widespread Panic. Thank you. Were you one of those followers as well? I'm less so on the panic. I like them, but they're a little too Southern rock that we could talk jam bands for an hour. Okay. And I would tell you the ones I like, the ones I don't. <laughs> I might even bring up a friend of mine who is uh, both a very, very good CMO and is also a jam band leader who I met when he was just playing music, but now he's doing industry and music. So he might be an interesting person for you to talk to in a down week. I would um, love that. I will name drop this. Um, we're going to have Ben Fong Torres from Rolling Stone come on. I've nice. already spoken to him. So he'll be coming down the pike. Kathy Valentine from the Go-Go's. We talked about this. Who else is coming up? Let's see. Thank you. And a couple of band biographers that you don't know. will be. Well, I, um, if you get anybody from Fish, I will be first in line to raise my hand. That sounds like a challenge. I like yeah, it. What's the go. name of I like your a show, good challenge. Uh, text, What's prose, and rock and roll. It's called Text, text prose, and rock and roll. So it's a play on Thank sex, you. drugs, and rock and roll. It's a lot of fun. So I'm sorry that I couldn't perform for you today. Chris, you were great. Are you kidding? What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I you couldn't answer your most basic question. I did, right. and it's Felt a total safe. blast. And I will be back again next Monday for sure. And I will try to do some uh, homework so that if you call me on on me again, that I will be prepared. <laughs> well, so one of the things we do like, and I won't put you on the spot for this one, but if you feel like it next week, 
We're about to go into our news segment where it's a really quick rapid fire of one of us introduces it, the other responds in probably 20 or 30 seconds. We like to have a couple of guests who will also respond to the story with a pithy 20 or 30 second lightning round. So oh. you can either stick around for it. Okay. Do you want to stick around? Stick around, well, Chris. I- I have to pick nope, up my son. Go. I'm ah. going to draw. I'll tell you what. I will be on listening to you. And if I can hop back up, I will. It doesn't work that way. It's got to be ah. fast. So take okay. off. Go pick up your son. It's All great right, to sorry. have you on. No, don't Thank apologize. You. It's totally cool. Sorry I called you out, but, but it's awesome <laughs> to have you here. You can do that to me anytime. You know that. Sweet. But paybacks are a bitch, sir. I'm ready. I'm ready. You just, you just, you got to give and get. All um, right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. If anybody else wants to jump up and join us in our lightning round on news stories, please jump in now. Hit that little button that says I would be happy to. Otherwise, What a cool cat, Jim. How cool is Chris? Chris is awesome. Chris is awesome. And uh, I can't wait to see who she ends up working with and getting for her podcast. Um, Oh, I've got some ideas. Now I'm just going to call it Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll and be done with it. No. (laughs) Um, So anyway, let's jump into a little bit of our quick news hits. Now, like I said, quick news hits are where we do a lightning round. We talk about each one really quickly, and we'll get through them hopefully in about two or three minutes. Fantastic. Shall I kick us off? Yeah, there's our news. There's our news intro. So, yeah, kick us off. Great. So the first little story that I've um, found here on the interwebs is one around the writer collectives out there gaining steam amid a strengthening creator economy. So not concentrating so much on audio or video or visual, but writers coming together to kind of do their own thing, find their own hustle and monetize their work, especially as ex-journalists and folks who are looking for shared resources to make it easier to uh, strike out on their own. So it sounds like a magazine to me on the line, on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my next my story is about uh, Super League. Those of you who follow European football or soccer or whatever you want to call it, they tried to get the top 10 or 12 teams across Europe to come together in a special league where they would play each other and there wasn't anything that, the thing they do that is so amazing is that in the current football leagues in Europe when a really bad team gets kicked out of the main league and the top team in the lower leagues gets promoted And there are so many of these football clubs throughout Europe that are very community driven. Little towns have them, big towns have them, mid-sized towns have them. And they are such a community element, sport and community going together. Now, these 12 teams got together. They said they were going to do a league. They were going to, they're all the big ones. They're going to get big money. And they're like, forget you little guys and the way it's been doing. It took two days and they got (laughs) crushed by the backlash. And to me, this is an example and a win for community first media. And it's one of the first I think we've seen in the world of sport. You know, I think from if these people had even opened their eyes just a tiny bit, I'm surprised it took 48 hours, Jim. I remember reading the first headline and going, oh, this is bad, bad news. It is not a well thought out idea. And the fans rallied. The money came back to haunt them or the potential they saw in dollar signs. As you said earlier, it is the trust between community and creator, the trust between community and grassroots football club, big football club that is the most important, not the dollar signs. And they really effed that one up. Yep. Next story. <laughs> Next story. Well, I wasn't going to comment on it. I think we'll just go back and forth real quick. That's good. Next I could one comment on it all day long, but I won't. Same, same. <laughs> could dig into that one. That is a big, big story. Creator Plus emerges from stealth with $12 million to finance and produce feature-length films for social media celebrities. 
I don't know. I kind of think maybe that we don't need feature length films for social media celebrities. Maybe just I'm a documentary freak. What do you think? Ben Grubbs is behind this is super smart. Used to run creators for YouTube has been running a, f- a venture funds, uh, next 10 ventures. I think there's something there, but I'm with you. I don't think we need more movies. The Oscars were, the ratings for the Oscars here in the US last night were terrible. Mm. And maybe we just don't need big movies. Plus, it's a video platform. And do we need another for script, subscription video platform, movie platform? I'm not sure. However, stay tuned to this channel because I'm going to try and get Ben Grubb to come on something we're doing on VidCon now in Asia, but maybe we'll get them on here to talk about it at a show down the road. That'd be Um, awesome. Yeah, totally. Okay. Uh, Next story. Last story. The Hype House is coming to Netflix. Uh, They're doing a Netflix show on the Creator House that's a bunch of teen creators on TikTok, and they're doing a reality TV show on Netflix. The title is Here Comes Hype House Boo Boo. Actually, I'm just kidding about that one. Uh, It's not Here Comes Honey Boo Boo, but it feels like Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. What do you think, Cassie? I'm going to go with exactly what I said for maybe the last story and go, do we really need this in our lives? It feels kind of like MTV Cribs meets Jersey Shore meets a dating show meets, I don't know, they're on TikTok, maybe then that's a good place. I just, I won't watch it, but I'm old. (laughs) Uh, It's cringy and it's teens. And I mean, it's going to be sex, drugs and rock and roll on Netflix with teens on TikTok. That doesn't really sound very good. Um, No, it feels like another thing that we're going to have to kind of plod through to find the good stuff on Netflix. That's my little cynical heart. But hey, it might be awesome. uh, It won't. (laughs) (laughs) You're so nice. Uh, Well, that's it for this episode of Inside the Creator Economy. Thank you very much for joining us. We will see you next week at the same time here, 4 p.m. in California. And Monday, and what time is it? Tuesday there? Is it 11 a.m.? It's 11 a.m. on Tuesday in New Zealand. And wherever you are, come join us. We will see you next time. Mm -hmm.